gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. If you're interested in the, the beginnings of the church, you know, I think looking at the creed is a great way of, of getting into church history and really seeing where the faith kind of came together. In the scripture, the way it presents discernment is actually the skill that you develop where you're able to identify goodness. And what was surprising to me is that is much the way we use the language of discernment outside of the church. The real difference, I would say, like what patriarchy teaches versus what we should believe, is that what they believe about the nature of men and women, that there is something fundamentally different about authority and submission between men and women. And that's not just like within particular relationships, but men and women in general. This is their nature. What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man. The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp, and Rachel Miller is my co-host. And we're doing something very different this week that we're very excited about. And we have Gretchen Ronovic and Katie Copeland from the Freely Given podcast with us, which is so fun. I don't think that we have ever done a collaboration with another women's podcast. And Gretchen and Katie are Lutheran, but we were talking before we got started that we're, we're cousins in the faith and or siblings, but we have so much in common and we love what they're doing. So um, I did want to mention their podcast is, is, a, is part of 1517 Network, and we've had um, a couple other people from 1517 on, my, my brother-in-law, Ted Rosenblatt, and had Scott Keith, who's written the book Being Dad, and so we're excited to have them, and we're, we're just going to have a fun conversation with Gretchen and Katie. Before we get started, I wanted to mention a few things. First of all, if you'd like to support the work that we're doing, you can support us through a monthly donation, even a few dollars a month on Patreon. You'll find a link in the episode notes and then also on our website. For everything I mention here, there will be links in the episode notes. You can also give a one-time donation through PayPal. We also have a special promotion on our merch through the end of November and that's 20% off. I'll put the promotion code in the episode notes also, and it's Theology, all capital letters, 20, and that'll give you 20% off any of our merch. You can tell your husband you want a Theology Gals shirt for Christmas and pass that on to him. And then lastly, if you haven't checked out our set of, of booklets, journals, we have several different books available. Bible reading and prayer journals, but we also have scripture and catechism memory books. Those are great for kids, but also for adults. And then we have our sermon notes, notebooks, 
and we have one for adult that would also be useful for teenagers and then we also have two different ones for children ones that are just learning to read and ones for children that already can read so definitely check out all of those out again there's links in our episode notes for all of those things and also on our website theologygals.com just for starters ladies do you want to share about your podcast and what it's about yeah so it's called freely given we want to um, focus a lot on the idea of the freedom of the christian or um, how law and gospel can impact everyday life I think that would be a good way to sum it up. Yeah. So um, our first season, we could call it, is on spiritual disciplines and how they're not something we need to uh, force ourselves to do, but it's not something that we we earn yes. more status. Yes, there you the go. Faith. Earn it's more probably, status. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But something more that that the Holy Spirit is doing in us, and just making sure that we're viewing them from a place where God is receiving the glory for that. And it's not just, we have to get better and better and better. And that this um, exhaustion yeah. that can, that can sometimes happen when we are, we never feel good enough in how we're doing things and, and understanding how Christ is for us and our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Instead of heeping guilt on. Uh, we're, we're just starting a new, um, a new theme right now. We're talking about um, law and gospel and relationships and freedom and relationships, um, starting in friendship and, and marriage and, and children and things like that. So we, we love that. that. That's awesome. I, I love that. Rachel and I have talked a lot on this podcast about law and gospel and how it's practical to our everyday lives. So um, recommend you go tune, tune into that. And talking about the spiritual disciplines i i think i'm guessing that rachel and i are a little older than um than both of you so and i don't even know how old you are but in the 80s when i was growing up those spiritual disciplines were such a big theme and it really just was heaping condemnation upon people when they were already broken yeah yeah Um, and this idea of enough of Am I doing enough? Is God pleased with me enough? Or if I read one verse, is that enough? If I read for one half hour, is that enough? And and we keep changing the um the barometer or the measuring tape. The measuring just, tape. And, and I mean, we can even ask, like with Bible reading, is it intellectual enough or um, heartfelt enough? <laughs> well, and and we view them so much from an individual perspective when in reality there's um, all of this is for the benefit of the whole body. And so when we're making it so hyper individualistic, we're focusing on our own spiritual journey and not understanding that we are a part of one body. And when we, um, when we read the Bible or when we hear the word, it's not just for our own edification, but for the edification of the whole church and, and that's something that I think that we miss when we start making it a race or a contest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that individualistic thing, I think, has has caused um, a lot of negative experiences, um, that hyper-individualistic. We had, uh, I don't know if you know who Brian Wolf Mueller is, he's a Lutheran pastor, and he wrote a book, Has American Christianity Failed? And he talks a lot about that. 
in that. I know uh, someone else that I've read has said that um, a lot of people view, especially American Christians, view their faith as very primarily personal, primarily mm-hmm. individualistic. And then they show up on Sunday, um, you know, to give what they can instead of seeing the church and and the body and who we are together as central to our faith. You know, for myself, um, when I was a, um, a mom with young kids and trying to struggling, struggling to find a time to spend any time in the word or to spend time in prayer. And, you know, there, you know, a lot of the advice was, well, just, you know, you should just get up an hour before everybody else in the house and t- use that quiet time. And first off, I'm not a morning person, but in second, I was so exhausted. I couldn't even like think around how to do that. Like just, yeah. mm-hmm. and then it was that weight of guilt. Well, if I was really a good Christian, and I would be getting up early and spending that time before everything else happened in the household. And um, thankful that I, you know, kind of moved past that concern about it. But I, I still see those types of advice, and you, know, you have to do it this way, or you're not a good Christian. Or- Pretty soon, your identity as a Christian is on your failures in your spiritual disciplines, not on the work of Christ. Mm-hmm. And and it it should always remain on the works of Christ. I would like to hear a little bit about your backgrounds about like where you go to church, about your families and you personally, like how you got into doing a podcast. Okay. I, um, so this is Gretchen. I, um, I go to a Lutheran Brethren church, which is a a smaller denomination. They, um, they came together almost as a missions organization. So that's why it's a little bit different than an in LCMS, they started as a mission-sending organization of independent churches, um, mostly Scandinavian descent immigrants. And so I have six kids, and I live on a farm where my husband works full-time. And yeah, I've been writing for well over a decade, I would say. And I met Katie through one of the um, divisions of 1517 Christ Hold Fast. We were Facebook friends. We have a lot of um, people we know in common. And we only live 25 miles away right yeah. now. So. Yeah. So we, we had a lot of friends in common. I'll let you say a little bit about you. First. Um, so I'm Katie Copeland. Um, we have four kids. Um, our littlest, our baby, just turned five yesterday. Um, what else? My hubby works in agriculture. He's an agronomist is what his title is. Uh, we lived in North Dakota for seven years and we intend, we attended an LB church out there, but I grew up LCMS, like went to a parochial LCMS K through eight. And then I went to Bethany Lutheran college in Mankato and graduated from there with a BA in communications. Yeah. And so you are LCMS now. Currently, Currently. yes. Yes. Yep. And we wanted a church in our community. And that was the one that fit for us. Yeah. So, And one of my biggest prayers for this year was that I wouldn't be so alone in my writing ministry and writing about law and gospel. And Katie was someone, like I said, we met through Facebook and mutual friends. Let's be real. I was stalking Gretchen. <laughs> <laughs> I had read a lot of my stuff. We 
we went to a, a Christ Hold Fast City event in the Twin Cities. We both drove three hours out there and she came up to me at the conference. I wasn't speaking at this one. I was just attending, but oh. they, you came up to me and you're like, hi, I'm Katie from Facebook. And I'm sorry. I, you know, just kind of <laughs> the awkwardness. And well, you know how awkward that is when you've <laughs> so, been kind of communicating with someone on Facebook. <laughs> so, so we, we just talked then and I could tell. So I started following Katie's writing a little bit more closely. She writes Bible studies and really identified right away, okay, this is someone who is after the same thing. This is someone who totally gets what we're trying to do here. And I have um, a book coming out next year with 1517. And once that was underway, I was thinking, okay, I know a lot of people have started podcasts. I actually tried to start a podcast a couple of years ago, I recorded a couple episodes and thought it was so badly done that I just threw it out and never published it. And I was thinking back and forth. And so I finally decided to call up Katie and say, okay, I need someone to just brainstorm with who is on the same vein theologically um, and just kind of brainstorm out this idea for a podcast. But I just had pieces Mm-hmm. of ideas. And so she, I s- shared my pieces and then she said, well, I've thought about starting a podcast too. Here are my pieces. And all of a sudden we realized we're talking about it the same the exact podcast. Yeah, it was the it same was the podcast. Same <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're like, you know, I think we should really do this together. Mm-hmm. And it was such a huge an- answer to prayer for both of us that we were working together on something that had a message that we're both so passionate about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had bought a microphone nine months so before I. Gretchen yeah, contacted so. me because it was something I wanted to do. I think I bought it with my birthday money or something, Yeah, but it was something I wanted to do so badly, but did not know how to do it at all and needed that sounding board of someone else. Yeah. And then we, um, I had some connections with 1517, had done some writing for them and some speaking. And I reached out just to see if we could be on their website. And, um, they're like, yeah, we we want to sponsor this and and equip you f- to to launch this well, and so um, they have been very supportive uh, yeah. in helping us with that. Mm-hmm. So we are listenable. Yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they helped with all That's the great. stuff that we struggle with. So. <laughs> And they have they have so many people that are helpful with like the technical stuff and. Yes. Things like and that's that. the part we struggle with. <laughs> the stuff, so. so do you, do you work with, does Caleb work with you? Yep. Okay. Yep. So Caleb Keith um, yeah. was the initial producer. He still is there. As yeah, a he's, he's very, very smart and knowledgeable. We had, I don't know if you guys know who Brian Thomas is. We had him on the podcast, like in our, one of our first episodes. Uh, he wrote a book for 1517 called Wittenberg versus Geneva. And yeah, that was the book I had told Gretchen before. I said, I wish I would have bought that and read it. You know, before this interview. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing, I have a I I have a friend, he's Lutheran, lives in Wisconsin, was baptized LCMS, and he's one of the things he said about that book is that it has a such a great, easy to understand description of even Lutheranism. So it's even he said for that alone it's helpful. So if somebody I, I would recommend it if you're if you're Lutheran and want to see, you know, 
the differences between Lutheran and Reformed, but if you're Reformed and really trying to understand Lutheranism, it's a great book for that. Uh, but I want to talk about some of our our similarities and differences. And one of the things Brian said on our podcast is uh, he talked about not ignoring our differences, but discussing them with respect and honesty and remembering even as we recognize those differences, remembering that we are part of the same church and emphasizing even more uh, the unity that we have in the gospel and essential doctrines of the Christian faith. I guess first, could you just talk about your view of the sacraments? Well, I think we would say that both um, baptism and communion would be considered sacraments and we call them a means of grace. And um, both Katie and I have um, go to churches that believe in, in infant baptism. And um, communion is slightly different with um, LB churches and LCMS churches, mm -hmm. um, whereas the LCMS has closed table usually to members only and the LB is more open. The LCMS is so big. <laughs> You'll find pockets. You'll where, find pockets. Yeah. I would say the same with LB too. Mm -hmm. there, there's, it can vary from church to church, but they tend to be more open table. But in their, in the LCMS, in their documents, they're going to say it's closed. Yeah. So yeah, they, they would be seen as a, as a means of grace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the Lutherans, as far as sacraments, um, they don't want to explain it too deep, the bread and the wine, the body and the blood. Like, we're not Catholics. We don't say it's transubstantiation. Yeah. But we I, also don't say it solely represents. Yeah. I, I would say that we acknowledge mystery. Yes. We, we acknowledge and we embrace mystery as far as we don't feel the need to explain the metaphys metaphysics of it. Mm -hmm. um, if Jesus says it is, then it is. And we don't always have a clear definition as far as what that is. And so I think um, that's one of the things I appreciate about Lutheranism where we, we do embrace mystery is um, not that we don't seek to understand, but, um, and but it's not, we understand that our brains don't always comprehend, comprehend everything. everything. And sometimes mystery and mysticism gets kind of like um, yeah, I don't know if we'd go into mysticism. We didn't have a big distrust for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I mean. It's not. Sometimes when we hear mystery, though, we think something magical. It's not that. It's just that we can't uh, understand it fully or explain it fully is what Lutherans would say. Yeah. That's one thing I say about the difference between Reformed and Lutheran, where I think Reformed have this very logical, fit-together, systematic theology. Mm -hmm. Um and, you know, there's points where we can say, okay, we can come to this logical conclusion. You see that with like the five points of Calvinism. And in Lutheranism, they say, this is what scripture says. This is, and even at points where you say, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, mystery, you know, yeah. there's things that we can't, <laughs> can't understand. So, yeah. So, I think that's a very good explanation. I would, I would fully agree that I think that that's how we view our reformed brothers and sisters too is is that they are very logical and mm -hmm. they love to lay things out that way mm -hmm. and i think that there's some benefit from that as well for mm -hmm. sure we also believe that um 
that the sacraments are means of grace, but we would believe different things about um, what happens in those um, sacraments. So, our babies are baptized too, but um, we believe something different uh, about what that means. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah, that's a really good way to put it. If I know in our churches, we our pastor does a really good job of of really talking about the beauty of um, how we receive um, receive salvation like a child, um, really helpless. It's it's really become a really beautiful thing for me. I know in multiple LB churches that I've been to because I've grown up in several across the country. Um, I think some are more resistant to associate salvation directly with it than some. And again, you're going to get the, um, not all of them hold as strongly to it as others. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to say that properly or get in trouble. I hope not. I don't think you're going to get in trouble. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That's true. I'm in a Facebook that there's differences because I'm in a Facebook group that has Reformed and Lutheran. And then sometimes they're arguing amongst themselves, you know, but you have the same thing with reformed. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I think across, if you, if any denomination gets so big, you're going to have a variety. And even with like, um, with Katie, her husband grew up more Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes even you get people within a congregation where they have um, mixed ideas within marriage and you just come together in a place of unity. Well, of we're going to bring this child before the Lord. Yeah. And, and, um, and sometimes I think it's, it's good to examine the differences, but when it comes to practical application, the obedience is the same. That honestly, that's how me and my husband ended up at an LB church when we were first married was, uh, um, it was a meeting place for his Presbyterian background and my LCMS background. So it wasn't high church, because he was not into that. Yeah, the LCMS is more high church. Yeah, and the so LB that's totally is more different than sacraments. And but so. also, even in the views of sacraments, that was a sticking point for us because of the LCMS's view of closed communion. That's the one thing he said. I can't. I can't go to the LCM church, LCMS church, because of that. He felt like denying someone communion was not biblical. So just because of membership, not denying someone, um, but I should say it just because of uh, their membership title. Yeah. So close communion isn't unheard of in other churches as well. No, the, no the, not the, at all. No. And I think there's good reasons for those. Too. Oh yeah. yeah. They have their reasons. So, yeah. And honestly, in my life, I've gone back and forth <laughs> on that. So I grew up Southern Baptist and that Baptists tend to be closed on, you have to be, um, a Baptist or having been baptized as a believer by immersion in order to take communion. At least that's usually the way it's done. Um, I'm sure it varies again, church to church among other things. So, but I'm familiar with it. One of the discussions that happens a lot when we're talking about reformed versus Lutheran, I see very often, even you guys have probably been seeing discussions in the theology house Facebook group very often where someone's trying to understand Lutheranism, but they're trying to understand it almost like from a Reformed perspective, like you got to take those Reformed lenses off to to really grasp it. And one of the, the big discussions is soteriology and how we're saved, because within 
Reformed theology, we have these five points of Calvinism, and the Lutherans are working from a different framework. Um, And so, one of the things that uh, I, I always try to emphasize is that just like the Reformed, you are monergists, that um, salvation is 100% of the Lord. He's the one at work. I think what you what you said of, of different lenses is really important. I actually heard Scott Keith um, explain it with Eric Sorensen once about how um, a lot of the Reformed tr- traditions have developed very regionally, whereas you have like the German Lutherans and you have the Scandinavian Lutherans, and then you have some Reformed that came in more um, developed in more of the Dutch areas. And a lot of doctrines have developed based off of the arguments that were happening regionally. And so if there's uh, um, some confessions or things that the LCMS holds to that the LB doesn't, and I'm comparing that as um, our two denominations as compared to Reformed, there's just some fights that we weren't in. And so we haven't had to make a statement about them. And so I think the same is when it comes to um, to some of those differences in how some of the theology developed was was very regional. But I, I do believe, you know, every Lutheran that I have met would would claim just um, justification by faith alone. I think there can be a lot of arguments as to the moment of salvation, of when that actually happens, and as from the Lutheran confession that happens at baptism. But on the other hand, I, with a lot of conversations with Lutherans, they, they wouldn't say, okay, you're baptized and now you're done for life. Like you're, I think that there's, um, it's not a once saved, always saved. Yeah. Theology. Well, and I think from, especially the, the, the pietistic, Norwegian influence, they are very much of you, you have to, once you become of age, embrace that, I think might be the way that they would say it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel, you know, we're, we're explaining our experiences as lay people in the church. And so I don't know if I would call us experts no. in this, just from our experiences and conversations within our own churches. And so I think that there's this this idea. And once you said it's not once saved, always saved, I think that that can be a sticking point of the idea of, of eternal security. And one thing that I have to clarify with a lot of um, my non-Lutheran friends is that we don't, what we mean by that is we're not saying that you can sin your way out of salvation. Yeah. Because we don't <laughs> believe that at all. No. We are very, very much against that. And so. But you can still reject Christ. Yeah. Like, we, we would say the, reject. That's the point is a Lutheran would say we can reject Christ. But like Gretchen said, we cannot sin ourselves. We can't do enough bad <laughs> that all of a sudden God's going to say, I'm done okay, with you. I'm done with you. Yep. You cross yeah. that line and that's it. Yeah. And I, you know, I went to a year of Bible school at Moody Bible Institute. And that was one of the big misunderstandings that a lot of people had is, oh, you believe that you can lose your salvation. And I'm like, well, I I think Lutherans would say that you can reject it, but they can't say that you could lose it. Mm-hmm. And and that is a, a very important differentiation There's a for big us. difference between um, leading a life that's wouldn't be categorized as Christian by someone looking at your lifestyle and rejecting Christ as your savior. Yeah. 
So that we probably went on too much of a. No, I think that's important. Yeah. It's not like the Arminian position where, um, I mean, I, I went to Wesleyan Bible college and it was almost like you, you, you did some certain sorts of sins and now you've lost your salvation. I know in talking to Rod Rosenblatt about it, where he, if I can remember correctly what he said or what Ted has said, we don't believe it's easy to lose your salvation, but rather what you said, reject it's um, apostasy is rejecting the faith. I no longer believe I'm walking away. Well, and I think that the, the unforgiven, the unforgivable part of that would be, um, I no longer claim Jesus as my savior and I'm, I'm just on, on my own. And, and so, but that's, that's different than saying, okay, I messed up here and I messed up here. Let's talk about where we we are like-minded. And of course, the most important thing, we're, we're like-minded on faith alone, justification by faith alone. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of reformed quote Luther. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've listened to you ladies for quite a lot of episodes and it, it takes a long time for me to find differences. <laughs> and I've always appreciated your focus on Christ and his work. Yeah, so absolutely. And I mean, we were both in your Facebook group, too, just because we find um, community there mm-hmm. of people who are very like-minded and a, a respectful nature there. And so, yeah, I think that the idea of faith alone, and I, I think the Lutherans have three solas instead of five. Mm-hmm. Am I going to get this wrong? No, I think you're right. I think it's three. But see, so here's the thing. Sometimes I read so much reform stuff that I I can rattle off the five solas and I forget that Lutherans, I'm pretty sure, only say there's three. Yeah. One of the things that reforms do better is you guys do more really good publishing and books and mm-hmm. resources. And so we borrow those sometimes. <laughs> so, so what well, are the three for the Lutherans then? So we have... Um, Sola Fide by faith alone and Sola Scriptura mm-hmm. would be the third, the second one and uh, Grace alone. Grace alone. Yeah. Gratia, I think is the. Sola yeah. Gratia. Yeah. yeah. Gratia. Mm-hmm. Well, I know one reason that I remember when Ted got the idea for 1517, he, he was living out here near us and my husband and I are sitting and he's telling us this whole idea for 1517. It started as New Reformation Press. But what they wanted, they were looking at, he said, I want something like Ligonier, but that's Lutheran. You know? <laughs> <laughs> something that which is which is why I love working with them, because they're they're really after doing some really quality work there. They're so. all about communicating Christ for people without putting a like I don't know a, a burden a burden on them mm-hmm. yes or like expecting them to know things or and they're very educated the people who write for fifteen seventeen and oh my word they're so smart yes yeah <laughs> very, I gotta say it's very intimidating <laughs> yeah they they let us in but <laughs> well you know I've known some of those guys for a long time twenty years and. A couple of them are like the smartest people I know in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I've loved working with them. And and sometimes I, I go to a speaking event and I'm surrounded by 
some of the people who I've just respected so much for years and have read all their stuff. And I'm just like, how did you guys invite me? (laughs) But they're so, they're so kind in discipling you in and just, um, they have such, um, not a feeling of, um, I don't know, what am I going for? It's not a competition with them. It's uh we're all here to tell about Jesus. Uh-huh. And if you can talk about Jesus, you're in. Mm-hmm. So there you are. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to open up the talk about long gospel. Um, so one of the things, and I'm sure if you haven't listened to us, we hear this, that, you know, the long gospel distinction is a Lutheran thing and the reform don't believe that. And, and we've fought pretty hard to, to argue that, no, no, it is actually reformed and here's why. Um, but the, the quote that I go back to, one from Theodore Beza, for with good reason, we can say that ignorance of this distinction between law and gospel is one of the primary sources of the abuses which corrupted and still corrupt Christianity. So, part of wanting to have you all on, knowing that you are focusing in your podcast a lot on law and gospel and the distinction, um, I would like to hear you talk to us a little bit about how do you, how do Lutherans define law and gospel and why that matters? Well, simply put, I think law would be do or don't do, mm-hmm. and gospel would be done. Mm-hmm. It is it is finished in Christ. And I think immediately, as soon as people grasp onto that, the first question is, well, what about all the stuff Jesus told us to do? Or what about all the things that we still have to do? And I think that there can be some, and abuse is, is a great way to put it, actually, this as soon as you realize that it is all finished in Christ for people to say, okay, now you have to do all of these things. Um, the Lutherans have a, have a great doctrine of vocation uh-huh. where mm-hmm. we acknowledge that there are good w- works that God has prepared for you to do. And it will be um, as individuals, he has prepared doctors and nurses and pastors and, and mothers and fathers and, and he, he will give you good works to do, but your salvation is not dependent on any of that. And I think that um, it can be um, really easy to start cherry-picking Bible verses that go um, and start, especially, I think, women's ministry are where both Katie and I have um, have worked and volunteered, where we see that most, especially where... In a lot of women's ministries, they will cherry pick, okay, here's all the verses for what women should do. And it's meant mm-hmm. to be inspirational. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not. It's it's the Bible intended for it to kill us. <laughs> yeah. Just this idea of we we aren't going to measure up. And, and we talk about that a lot in the spiritual discipline talks where a lot of times as we work through the spiritual disciplines, we become more aware of our own insufficiencies. And we think that we should just stay there. But no, that's actually when we need the gospel of understanding, no, Christ is sufficient in this area and he is sufficient in this area. And it's something that I think every person wrestles against because we want our works to propel us Mm -hmm. into count and to make us greater in the kingdom than our neighbor, or can I be greater than this person, or can I be greater than this person, and to kind of work our way up a ladder and to understand that His grace is 
enough for me and enough for Katie and enough for everybody. It, it almost, it feels like it's not fair because we're not earning it. Mm-hmm. But what happens is when we start understanding that Christ is for our weakness and he comes for the weak, it can be so extremely freeing and it's so, it's so important. And I think one of the things that can somewhat be controversial is this idea that our growth in the faith belongs to the Holy Spirit. That is his work in us. And I think we, we try to find all of these loopholes of, yeah, but, you know, we're supposed to do this and we're supposed to do this and then line this up. I was, um, I have taught for years on the idea of, of mentoring in, in Titus 2, and I was just reading through that passage not that long ago again, and I saw later on in the chapter, it says, it is His grace that trains us to do all of this. And I think that we cling so heavily to the law and just like, well, we're not going to know what to do without the law. And as we work our way through scripture, understanding the law was completed in Christ and he has given us his spirit. And to know not that the law um, has no bearing in our life, because I know pastors who use law and gospel really well mm-hmm. will use both. But I um, to minister to, to their congregants, but I think that a lot of times it's just so it's so important that we understand that the Holy Spirit is the one working in us yeah. and growing us and, and we can have freedom in that. Freedom. That's yeah. I mean, like Galatians, it's pretty the whole book. Yep. <laughs> we, we get excited about that. She wrote, wrote a Bible study on that. So you're, um, and I think the that. law gospel dynamic changes it, the stuff, the good works we do, cause we're going to do them. It changes them from a have to, to a get to. And um, one of my favorite Bible passages is where it talks about, it's pretty sure it's Ephesians, how Christ is the one who is working for you. And then it says, and he's even prepared the good works for you to do ahead of time. Yeah. And I see the good works that God has prepared for us almost as a sign of our restoration from what we lost in Eden when we um, were taken out of working alongside God for something that he has prepared for us. And when um, our relationship has been restored through Christ, well, of course, that's going to look like what it looked like before, where he has prepared things for us to do for, for his glory. Mm-hmm. And law and gospel on the surface seems so simple, like Gretchen explained it, do or done, but it is so complex and rich for our lives. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ever going to get sick of it. No. Yeah. No. That's Ephesians 2.10. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I read it this week again, and so I'm thankful for the search function on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> it's handy. It's handy. <laughs> there it is. One thing that we keep trying to um, you know, drive home to our listeners is about how practical law and gospel is to our everyday lives. And you've touched on it some and various things that you've said. What are some other ways that you would encourage those who are listening about how it's so practical for our lives? Luther has a the quote that I like to tell people all the time is, God does not need your good works, but your neighbor surely does. Mm-hmm. So, and for me right now, <laughs> uh, my closest neighbors are my kids <laughs> yeah. every day. And, uh, especially in parenting. And 
my kids are not that old, so I'm still flushing this out in my own life. But the law gospel dynamic working out when I'm thinking about my own parenting, um, as far as my assurance and of my salvation and that God is working in me to help me parent these kids and also giving them a law gospel, you know, you screwed up big time, (laughs) but there's still grace. There's still love, that unconditional love. Yeah. I find that to be one of the most challenging relationships to deal with law and gospel, Um, but also one of the most essential because um, you want to teach your children what is right and wrong, of mm-hmm. course, and you want them to be good, of course, but um, are your children allowed to fail? And and do they know how to deal with failure? And um, do they know what clinging for, to Christ in your weaknesses looks like? And my kids are a little bit older than yours. My, yeah. my oldest is 16. And my, and my oldest is four. My oldest is a fifth grader. Yeah. So he just turned 11 this summer. And yeah, we're dealing we're dealing with that a lot. I think, I think a lot of times the, the message that um, can get out and really cripple people is this idea of it all depends on you mm. and it's all on your shoulders. And um, like you were saying, um, like Rachel was saying before about um, the struggle to, to get up early in the morning or, mm. you know, I, I can't do it like this. And, I know, you know, I have had years of my life where one of my kids either won't go to the nursery or is screaming in church or I'm missing a sermon and um, after sermon, after sermon, after sermon. And there are, there's this tension where some people say, well, you know, this is just your season for taking care of your kids. And you're like, okay, but I actually... I actually need God right now. Really? <laughs> like, I need him right now. Um, I am really, really um, feeling weak in my faith and weak in, in um, my ability to, to do my daily, um, whether it's devotions or, or what God has called me to. And in the same sense, we can feel like we're not good enough because we're not able to do it on our own. And so there's, there's kind of this, keeping on of guilt or this cycle of guilt and um, lack of assurance when we get law and gospel distinctions mixed up. But when we understand that it's done in Christ, we um, it's a comfort to us, but also it's when you understand that it, it's not hyper-individualistic, you are a part of a whole body, there's this sense of... Um, I have rights as a believer that have been purchased for me by Christ. Um, and though I, I get to have the word of God and I get to pray and that's not something that people can take from me. And, and that's also, um, I think something that I have had to learn in my own life that this isn't, a have to, it's a get to, and and this is for me. And this mm-hmm. is something that Jesus gave for me. And so that is not always the easiest thing. And knowing how that plays out is often um, has a lot of tension. And I think 
is important place for discipleship relationships to know how that plays out because it it's not completely prescriptive of it's going to look the same in every single person. And I think that's an important point to um, highlight that there's a lot of tension and it's not as formulaic as I would like it to be. Yeah. Like, here's where the, you apply the law for your children and here's when you apply the gospel. There are times when my kids have come to me and they are broken, mm-hmm. they know. And then we can call that thing what it is and we can say, yep, that was a bad decision. And then I get to point them to Christ. Yeah. And I think we are all so desperate for a formula mm-hmm. and we we almost wish that we could replace our faith with a formula because we live by faith. We don't live by formulas. And we think if we just knew the exact right way to do it, then we could do it. Then I could do it on my own. I could do it on my (laughs) own, but, but God had, because it is finished in Christ, we are not going to figure it out outside of his spirit. Yeah. How often do I pray? God, just give me the right formula. Yeah. Don't give me yourself. (laughs) I know we, Give we me feel like formula. having the person of the Holy Spirit is insufficient because if we would prefer a formula and he's given us himself mm-hmm. and, and that's actually more beautiful. It's just hard to explain <laughs> to people. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I often say that we like, we want lists. We want our oh, yeah. list of yep. checklists. Okay. Okay. I've done all my things today and I did them all and I'm good now because I have my mm-hmm. list Yeah, and you know, the scripture doesn't give us a lot of lists right? We have the spirit indwelling, right? We have Christ. Right. We have, you know, these these things that we're told to do and not to do, but then there is a whole area of it is now up to us to work, to live in the spirit, to work and walk by the spirit and live for Christ in the way he, he leads us, but we were left with a lot of decisions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's a hard place to be, right? And- Especially when two Christians also living this way, make different decisions, but to the same end, right? We, we, mm-hmm. we want the same things, but we do different way. We do them differently. Right. Mm-hmm. And respecting that with each other, you know, one of the things, you know, I, and I said this often on, in discussions that we've had on here on the podcast, but, you know, in college, I was at, um, in reformed university fellowship, which is the PCA's, um, college campus ministry. And two things that really, really stuck out, stood out to me when I was there uh, in my understanding of, of grace and the gospel. One was reading uh, Michael Horton's Putting the Amazing Back into Grace. Mm-hmm. And the, I can still see like the, the image on the page where it's, you know, we're not circus animals. God's not, doesn't want us to jump through hoops, right? He's not doing this to us. Like now you do this and now you do this, right? Um, and then the other one was, something that my campus minister liked to say, which is, you know, an understanding the difference between trying to to save ourselves to the law versus being saved by grace. And then, you know, the spirit working in us and the good works, like you mentioned, that we've been given to do, prepared to do, is the difference between struggling to be free and free to struggle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's mm-hmm. so good. Right? I'm like, yeah. I wish I'd written that because it's so cool, right? I don't. I wish yeah. I knew who said it originally because I would love to credit them, but I don't know who it is. But yeah, that that idea of free to struggle. Mm-hmm. We, we oh. just talked about that last week, actually, uh-huh. in the idea of meditation of the freedom to wrestle with God. Um, just how a lot of times we are afraid to engage in sc- passages of scripture because we're afraid um, if we if we wrestle with what it means that 
it's going to shake us too much or, mm-hmm. or we're not going to understand it. And, and it's, it's actually kind of a courageous thing to do to say, I'm going to wrestle through this and, and Holy spirit, help me understand. Mm-hmm. And, um, and to, to reach out to your pastor and to reach out and say, help me understand this. And, and, and to um, those wonderful books around, around you that, um, that God's not afraid of our struggle. He, he can hold us. Yeah. When it goes back to what you were saying about, you know, going from looking at these things as things we have to do to being things that we have the privilege as believers to do. And we have the privileges as children of God to do. Um, and there yeah, are we're ears, privileges. not slaves to God. Right, right. We don't cower in fear. No. You know, we, well, and we I, I really... I relate so much in the story of the prodigal son to the older brother. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I grew up in the church. I, I wanted to be such a super Christian. And when you fully understand the doctrine of grace, it's almost offensive in the beginning of, does that mean that all the stuff I did didn't count for anything? Like, of just like, don't, don't, don't you see all the work I've been doing though, God, <laughs> you know, just, it, it just feels, um, almost unfair and but then god is our father saying but don't you know that you're you're already my child like don't you mm-hmm. you already had all this stuff mm-hmm. and we would prefer the wages sometimes and into our discredit and um just the more the more i'm aware of my weaknesses the more um, I'm so grateful for grace. And that, that's what the spiritual disciplines have done for me is, is help me be aware of my weaknesses so that, so that I can worship God for his grace and be in awe of that grace and, and cling to that grace. And it has brought so much more peace than the always wondering, am I, am I quite doing enough? Yeah. I think for me, without a law gospel dynamic, I would be a horrible person to be around. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> if I wasn't able to admit <laughs> to all my failings, I would either be a miserable Pharisee or a drug dealer, I think. <laughs> just one I, or the other. I would have just gone either way. And yeah, so I think it has practical, law and gospel dynamic has practical implications for every single one of my relationships because of that in itself. I think just your expectations of others change. Because you you yeah. understand that one of your purposes of relationship is to is to give grace, and mm-hmm. so mistakes are going to happen, and sin is going to happen, and and how are we going to respond to that? Mm-hmm. You have a you have a doctrine for that. Yeah, there's a doctrine yeah. for that. Yeah. <laughs> so. My uh, my boys are uh, my oldest is 17. He's going to college next year. My youngest is 11. So that's my wow. age range, and. I have to say for my for myself, coming to understand uh, law gospel, uh, the distinctions better, uh, have has made a big difference in how I parent them, how I relate to them. Um, where it's not all, especially as each one of them has made a profession of faith, and you know they are, you know they're in Christ, right? And so then I can talk to them from the grace side of things and say, you know, it's not just about the, trying to get them to toe the line externally, but yeah. looking at their hearts and encouraging them. And in, in their failings, right? And that God loves them and Christ died for them and these sins are forgiven too. And encouraging them to to rely on that. Um, but it has changed the relationship so it's not as combative as it was uh, when they were younger. And I was 
relying too much on the law with them. Yeah. And I, I went through that an awful lot too. Just the, the parenting books that I read mm-hmm. in the beginning yeah. of thinking that if I just had the right parenting formula, my kids would turn out just spectacular mm-hmm. and understanding that God wanted to do something deeper in them mm-hmm. than just turn them into obedient little children. Cause and, how often in my head do I do this as far as parenting? If I could just do this this way, then my kids would. Right. Yeah. But that's not how it pans out. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, I'm pretty sure that's borderline manipulation. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the idea that our children's salvation um, is the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we can apply lots of formulas, but this is something that He is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something He is, is carrying us in. And there's the older my kids get, the more I'm depending on prayer for them. And the more I'm saying, Lord, there's just every word I say is not working right now. So I'm going to be quiet and Lord, this is just going to have to be you. Mm-hmm. And Elise Fitzpatrick and Jessica Thompson talk about this law gospel dynamic in parenting. And they said, this dynamic also helps them. And I can vouch for this actually enjoy my children. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> you don't take it so personally. Exactly. You know? Yep. Yep. I don't, feel like a constant failure because they failed. Mm. Mm. I just accept it and say, yeah, they're going to fail and I'm going to fail. And then we're going to ask for forgiveness. I find that I still work through that. Like it's something that's still a struggle where I still take my kids' sins personally. And I have to go through, I, I think law and gospel can be such a repetitive nature in my life but it becomes a perpetual comfort. Yeah. As, well, and especially when that. it's the sins, you know, you struggle with and my kids have been watching me those, do those it. Those are the ones I get angriest about, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like I've dealt with this and you are not going to struggle with this. Like mm-hmm. I, like I did. And I've been hiding this. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And, and they, their, their relationship with their, their salvation is something that is coming from, from God. And um, not something that I can manipulate as much as I would like to. Mm-hmm. And don't you think some of those parenting books, not Elise's, but so many of those, at least in our circles, you have these Christian parenting books that are, you know, do this, 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 and this, and then your children will come out perfect and not rebel. I mean, they don't say it like that, but um, some do. Some yeah, that, this is true. This the is, gospel takes away that if-then statement. Right. If you do this, then. It, instead, it's because of Christ, therefore. Like, because right. of Christ, you're free. Because of Christ, we're heirs, not slaves. Because well, of Christ. Well, and I think that sometimes we get so tempted by the practical that we throw out um, doctrines like um, like total depravity, and we'll just throw that out and say, "Oh no, this method will overcome it," or this, you know, yeah, that's there's that doctrine over there, but let's get practical. Yeah. How's how's this? And and I I think that with women especially, we get so obsessed with the practical that we there almost needs to be some sort of, and I think this is what, what you guys aim to do in your podcast and what we aim to do in ours is, is translate these doctrines as the most practical thing that God has given us. 
Um, and because like even the even the marriage books, you know, you do all of this, but those marriage books and those parenting books don't consider that um, my husband and I have specific personalities and struggle with our own specific yeah. things that might be different than yours. And my same thing with my children. And um, sometimes it's wisdom that's necessary in applying law and gospel and how that's going to work out. And it's going to work out different in my home than in yours. That makes you understand how much greater is it to have the Holy Spirit than to have a to-do list. Who understands the depth of the complexities? Mm-hmm. Like just how much greater it is to have a person that God has has sent us. And I think sometimes because we we don't get to earn it, it we don't see the value of it, but it's actually greater. Mm-hmm. It's actually greater. I've learned a lot about this from from Rod and Scott, and um, both Rod and Ted have stories of being able to really understand and gra- and grasp the gospel because of these experiences with their dad in really displaying that law and gospel. And so that there is there is a practical aspect in that. This is one way that we help our children to understand the gospel itself is by demonstrating that law and gospel. Well, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a joy to see when your kids grasp those mm-hmm. ideas. Like it when you when you see the look on their face of oh my goodness, I understand what this faith is. Or mm-hmm. I understand when when that um there's just nothing like it. And I would say, I mean, in parenting, but also in ministry, um, when, you know, there's, and this is something Elise and I have talked about a couple of times where sometimes you have someone um, you're teaching and they're 60 years old and they grew up in the church and you under you explain law and gospel very clearly to them. And they'll get tears in their eyes and say, I didn't know. And generally when I, time. I think Gretchen would say this too, when we're talking about law and gospel and we're teaching it, we don't use those terms necessarily. Depending on the context. Yeah. yeah. It's, but a lot of times it's explaining it to them in their own life circumstances, right? Yeah. Especially when we have that, a, a relationship established it, with it's that It's contextualizing. Individual. Yes. Contextualizing. Yeah. That's a good word for it. It's like you're an English major. So. I know. <laughs> yeah, there's me. <laughs> I like that. So I like words. Yeah. Um, so yeah, contextualizing that that gos- the law and gospel distinctions for their life. It it's just amazing to see when people understand because the weight just totally comes off of them. Mm-hmm. Though there is sometimes that initial struggle against it of just like, but I want I want to mm-hmm. and I you want to earn it. You know, generally when I lead a Bible study, it's not just one time, you know, if we do a speaking event, then it's one time you leave, but you watch people struggle with that law gospel dynamic as you're reading through a certain book of the Bible and they go, I don't want to say back and forth because it's like, then I'm judging their faith or something, but that wrestling with it. When we did Galatians together, there was a lot of wrestling. Yes. You could see all over their faces of, but, 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 but then, you know, and so like the, And you just, you just kind of, you're silent for a moment and you just let the scripture speak for itself. Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, this is the, what God has said. The coolest part is when you're leading these Bible studies and I learned to, and when I do actually shut my mouth, 
and they communicate the gospel back to you when before they would not, that would not have been in their dialect. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty exciting. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So Gretchen, you said your book is coming out um, next year. Is that right? Yeah. It's in March. Do you want to share a little bit about it? Just so um, our listeners can have something to look forward to. Yeah, it's coming out with the the new Reformation Press, the 1517. Um, It's called Ragged Spiritual Disciplines for the Spiritually Exhausted. And we give a peek to it in several episodes in the podcast. I got pretty good at quoting it. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, the book has two parts. The first part kind of explains the law and gospel in the context of how that relates to the spiritual disciplines. And then the second part goes specifically, there's a chapter on Bible reading and a chapter on prayer and a chapter on fasting, even a chapter on meditation and discipleship. And Mm -hmm. um, so I go through specific disciplines and how the law and gospel would um, would look like through that lens. And correct me, the first three chapters, though. You do an excellent job of setting up that law gospel dynamic. Yeah. I go really three, deep. right? Yeah. yeah. I, and sh- the illustrations that Gretchen uses are even somebody who's steeped in law and gospel. You just go, wow, that's pretty awesome. I know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Katie. <laughs> so, yeah, I am. I my experience with um, being taught law and gospel was from my grandpa, who was a church planter and a missionary. And um, my dad left when I was very young and my grandpa just kind of came and took over that role in a lot of ways and discipled me. And uh, for a couple of years, I spent every weekend in um, studying theology over at his house when I was in junior high and, and all of that. And so I, I'm kind of a little obsessed about that but on the same sense, I have really wrestled as a woman and as a mom, how that plays out in my own life, how exhausting it can get. And so, um, yeah, this book is just working out that tension a little bit. So it's coming out March of 2021. It's not that far away. Yeah, (laughs) Not at all. It's right around the corner. Well, this was so much fun. I'm going to link uh, their podcast in the episode notes, but you can find it on any of your podcast catchers. You got a little bit of a taste today of uh, of Freely Given and the sorts of things that they talk about. And I, we get messages from women that say, wow, I never knew about Law and Gospel. And from listening to your podcast, uh, you know, it, I understand it and how much it's helped them. And always encouraging to hear that. So you'll get a little bit more of that on Freely Given if you tune in over there. Yeah. And we're a short little podcast. We, yeah. we try to keep it around 20 minutes. So we don't get to go quite as deep sometimes as, as you guys get to mm-hmm. in your time frame. But it's... Um, we so wanted to make it a purpose. commute podcast, right? Like, yeah. So. A shorter one. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, we, we are both listeners of Theology Gals, too. So, <laughs> so at it. first, when we first started this, I thought, this is so odd. They're talking to me. Usually, I'm just listening to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm funny. so glad to have you on. Thank you for coming and talking. Yeah, thank you. This was great. Thanks, ladies. 
Thank you so much for joining us for this episode and anything that we mentioned today, you can find in the episode notes and also our website. We will see you next week.